wasps. Very dangerous. You go first. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the hijinks. I've got a trig midterm tomorrow and I'm being chased by Guido, the killer pimp. The opportunities. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slide. And the wisdom. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And today with me, my own personal action hero, Mr. Sean Daly. Spears. Why did it have to be Spears? Because only Spears can host the epic Indiana Jones trilogy podcast tribute and bake sale. If you're trying to escape on foot, the desert is three weeks in every direction. So please eat something. And with us today, because uh, he has nothing else to do, uh, Times film critic Steve Persall. But uh, my friends call me short round. <laughs> well, your ex-girlfriends call you short round. No time for love. We got company. So we're here today to honor what I think a lot of us would say would be the trilogy of the 80s. You can't say that. I guess Star so, Wars is the trilogy of the 80s, well, Star right? Star Wars started in the 70s. Star Wars started when in the 70s. When was Empire? 81. Then it's then 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 Star Wars is the trilogy. And Raiders of the Lost Ark is my favorite movie ever. And that's the truth. But come on, Empire is... Yeah, but they didn't all appear in the 80s. Yeah, I exactly. think you should grandfather it in. Yeah, well, I don't know. You've got to have... Uh, it's, it has to have the 80s designation. Was there another 80s trilogy? Even Back to the Future didn't. Oh, Back didn't, to the Future. No, no, the last one came in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Hello? Anybody home? Hey, think with fly thing. There you go. Yeah, I can't think of one. I can't think of one that made it. Uh, that you can't just, stump Persall. I, 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 I can't think of one that was just stuck in the '80s. No, I can't. Right so there you go. All right, so here we are today, and I've been bugging you for weeks to do this, and Months. you're like, ah, oh, whatever. I want to do a Devo podcast. <laughs> I want to do something on the fix, and I'm like, Spears, what the hell are you talking about? Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls coming out on May 22nd. Indiana Jones. Always knew someday you'd come walking back through my door. <laughs> Worst name Are you taking ever. me to the, uh, the when is that? When's the screener for that? Uh, I have a screening Sunday morning, and I have, uh, sure, I have five uh, people coming with me already. It's Sunday morning? I thought yeah. you were seeing you it on uh, Tuesday. People, five morning. people really going with you? Yeah, yeah, some sort of private Can I call you later? Can I have your number? Oh, hell no. <laughs> um, yeah, Sunday morning they're going to have just a few people there, some press and some uh, local sponsors and stuff. So it'll be, it'll be pretty laid back. That's gonna be awesome. So if we're gonna okay. do the show, today's the day to do it. Obviously, because yep. uh, come next week we'll know the uh, we'll know the horrible result. Don't say that. But now nah, we're gonna save all the talk about the sequel to the end of the show. Okay, we've got to go in order here. And so uh, first, I want to ask because we've got the grandmaster of uh, P Funk here. <laughs> I want to ask Persall because um, he was so good in the Oscars in the '80s show. He knows everything there is. The to women know. were going nuts for you guys in that they show. Were. I was tired of hearing about all the content. Like, all I bring is, like, you know, whoopee cushions and rooker, rooker. Yeah. Come on. I think uh, the term IQ, higher IQ <laughs> level. Uh, that was bench. You love that. that. You had times. shirts made oh, yeah, about yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Bastard. Easily. Well, you know, if you could fill up that head of yours with IQ, <laughs> there'd be no contest. You know, <laughs> so, so tell us, Steve, what, 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 what defines the magic that was uh, Indiana Jones? What, 
Why is it so popular? What was its role in filmmaking history? Talk about its legacy. You tell, give us well, the scoop. I mean, first of all, you're talking about a I mean, the filmmaker of the latter part of the 20th century uh, on the top of his game. Uh, Steven Spielberg. He's he's come off of uh, not not only you know making movies but producing movies like uh, Poltergeist and those kinds of things. He's at the top of his game, and and I think he, he sort of falls off that when it comes to the second movie, but with, with the first one, at a time when movies were jumping into the future, we had the Star Wars type of angle, you had the whole big sci-fi type of thing. Here's one that was nostalgic and went back to like Saturday morning, you know, serial type of ideas, the old 1940s types of movies, but um, it did it in a way that still incorporated the special effects that were being used for spaceships yeah. at that, ty- that type of thing, too. So, so you, you've got so there's sort of this confluence of the, the public wanting something different, but not that much different, and a filmmaker who is you know, creative enough, or, or at least was at that time, that he could uh, put something out like that. And, and, well, not just Spielberg, but Lucas, too, of course. And, um, and of course, also, who's the other guy who wrote the uh, screenplay with him? Philip Kaufman. Yeah, Kaufman. So um, and wasn't Kasdan involved? Kasdan was involved with it too. Lawrence Kasdan Lawrence was Kasdan's involved. The guy who he's the guy who wrote it. Well, not, me, not Kaufman. Well, he wrote the screenplay. Kaufman did. I think. No, I think Lawrence mm-hmm. uh, Larry no, no, Kasdan, no, no, Kasdan did. I call him Larry Kasdan. Kaufman wrote the story. Yeah, Your Kaufman wrote the story. Yeah. The um, and now this was 1981. Where did Raiders sit in terms of the other trilogy we were just talking about? Did it come after? Was after Empire? You know what I'm talking about? After Part One and before Empire. Oh, no yeah, because em, Empire came out at Christmas, I believe. It was a holiday season movie. In fact, I think I think that this movie was conceived. It was pitched by George Lucas to Spielberg the weekend that Star Wars opened, and they were out on the beach in Hawaii, Hawaii which is like a, a George Lucas tradition. He goes, he gets, out, he gets the hell out of Dodge for the opening of any of his movies, and so he's there with Spielberg, and he pitches it to him. And um, this was what 1977. Mm-hmm. And so it would take, what, four years for it to get made. And I think just about every studio passed on it, right, until Paramount finally uh, grabbed it. Uh, I don't know if anybody passed on anything uh, that Spielberg or Lucas would put up at that particular well, time. Well, it was destined to be Paramount because that great, that great opening shot, remember the Paramount logo, and then it, it, uh, whatever you call that, it fades, then you see that first mountain, mm-hmm. right? All three right. of the at movies the do that. All do three. they all do that? They all three do it. Of course, I think the second one, it was actually Kate Capshaw's head that it worked <laughs> into. Oh, you're a very nice man. Maybe you could be my palace slave. We'll talk about that in a sec. Steve has a great, <laughs> uh, great theory about Temple of Doom, and I'm going to defend Temple of Doom a little bit. But do you remember where you were when you saw Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time? I skipped school to see it. Um, I remember skipping school to see it, and uh, it was me and like basically 20 of the other nerdiest people that ever went to Countryside High School. <laughs> All there, like with our book bags, which ba- back then was not popular. And uh, where'd you go see it? The Countryside, Countryside Six. Countryside Six. That's not there anymore. It's not there. It's now Lifestyle Fitness Center. Yep. I remember where I was. Let me tell you something. I was living in uh, Western Massachusetts at the time. But to this day, I show up at movies about 20 minutes early because when I was 11 years old and I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, I showed up 20 minutes late. Wow. And everyone's like kind of mocking me as I sit down, you know, and like I missed the greatest opening in like movie history as far as I was concerned, you know. Then the next time I saw it, I'm like, holy shit, this thing's even better, you know. So to this day, I learned my lesson. But I think that was the last movie I think going to see. I probably saw it like five or six times in the theater. That's back when you can kind of afford right. to. You know, that's, that's back when you could uh, sit there and watch it back to back, and they wouldn't kick you out, make you buy another ticket. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah you could sneak. Well, I don't do that sort of thing. Well, but. let me ask this because I mean, this is a George Lucas Steven Spielberg collaboration. What? How much of George Lucas is in this movie, Steve? I couldn't really answer for sure about that, but I, I, I think probably 
it was one of those kinds of things that helped to create you know, his uh, industrial light magic or given given the the impetus for that. Certainly didn't have the sophisticated technology at that time that that he does now. But uh, I would say he probably has a lot to do with a lot of the mechanics of it, a lot a lot of the stunts and, and effects, just the ideas for it, the imagination behind it. Uh, and I, I also would believe that you know, he has a, a, a strong influence in terms of, I think he's the oldest uh, of, of, the, of the movie brats of that era. Uh, so he probably has a little bit closer tie to the nostalgia factor from those old, old Saturday morning serials than, uh, than the other ones would have, too. Now, do you think, I mean, when you go back now, and, and we're really students of the film, and we know a lot of the trivia, and you see that there was a lot of things that were directly... Uh, Luke, you know, Lucas put a stamp on like if you, if you see some of the hieroglyphics in some of the rooms, you can see a C three PO. I've never seen that before. Really? Yeah. yeah. There's um what in the Well of Souls? Right. Yeah, in the, the Well of Souls. Yeah. Oh, that's in cool. The there's other there's other things where they d- deliberately took sound effects from Star Wars and used them in uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's other, there's other little like touches of of humor between the two movies. There's almost like they're like they're close first cousins. Well, Spielberg's always done that. Uh, go back and watch his first movie, Duel. The one I that was love a, it. Oh, with Dennis Weaver. When the oh. when the uh, when the um, truck, when the truck goes over the cliff at the end, listen to the sound it makes, and it's the same sound of the T Rex in Jurassic Park. Oh, come like on! Fifteen years later, really? Yep. And also in Duel, um, the snake motif. Yep. Right, because Dennis Weaver crashes into that snake farm on the side of the road, and there's some of that too. But a lot of like, I'm a real nerd for Spielberg, and like, he's basically like, I mean, Raiders is that his the, the textbook Spielberg movie that in E2, as far as like, you know, those close pans on like uh, Harrison Ford's face and a lot of his like camera tricks. And- oh, you're talking about you, you say the you know, the textbook Spielberg movie, but but this is a guy who's taught a, a number of courses. You know, but now now he's got a different book that he's writing with things like Schindler's List and Munich, and those kinds of things, which is more you know character driven, character oriented, not as much, not as action packed, or at least you know uh, pop culture action packed like that. So, so as far as like the Spielberg action movies, the popcorn yeah, movies, I think, I think you've got to sort of divide. He's one of those filmmakers you have to sort of divide into a couple or maybe even three different categories because then you get then you have to then you have to uh, um, um, consider things like always. You know, when he gets to it, it gets into his romantic modes. Uh, I kind of like, like and, and those kinds too. of things too. Uh, I saw it with Natalie Diffenbaugh. Well, we all needed a drink break, and that was a good for one. <laughs> Natalie Diffenbaugh. Yeah, I wondered how I wondered how all this stuff was going to fit together. <laughs> it's all coming together. Yeah. Let me ask you this: If um, let me talk about the cat. Let's talk about the casting for a second. Um, they picked Harrison Ford. I mean, Harrison Ford ended up with the part. He wasn't their first pick. I know uh, Selleck, Tom Selleck, and he couldn't Selleck couldn't get out of his deal for with uh, whoever that Universal with Magnum PI. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Would this movie have been as good with somebody else? With would, could Tom Selleck have made it what it was? I don't know. I mean, Harrison Ford just has that very casual type of machismo to him. Uh, I, th- I think uh, Selleck would come across a little bit as a little bit more virile than Ford does. But uh, that kind of virility sort of makes Indy almost indestructible. You've got to have the kind of situation where he could die at any time uh, in this thing. And you've got to have that little you know, flicker of fear, of apprehension when he is facing these kind of situations. I think Selleck would have played a little bit more you know, stoic, you know, headstrong. You know, we're going to get through this type of thing. You know, the, the, the best scene in the movie or one of the best scenes is when he's on the boat. 
when he's on the ship, you know, and he gets clocked in the jaw by the mirror, you know, and he's taking his shirt off and the whole line about, you know, it's not the years, honey, it's the mileage. I mean, that's so quintessential Harrison Ford, too. Yeah, just the whole look on his face and he's still tough as hell. But again, there's that vulnerability a little bit. Uh, well, right. even uh, my favorite instant in the, in the movie is when uh, the guy's got the scimitar and he's swinging it all around him and he just, he's, <laughs> he's going to get the bull whip out and he says, oh, to hell with it and, yeah. and just pulls his gun and shoots him. But I mean, that's, that's a kind of, you know, rascally side thing that Selleck would not do. He would want to have an all-American hero and Ford, even if you go back to American graffiti and stuff, he's got that little bit of conniver in him, you know, where you could see him wanting to take an easy way out like that. Too. You know, I just read about that scene with the, uh, in the, the, in the marketplace where he shoots the guy and I guess it was the last shot of the movie and Harrison Ford was sick as a dog. Yeah, he had, flu. He had yeah. the flu. And so the exact line, and you're going to, unfortunately you're going to have to bleep me on this is he goes to Spielberg and says, let's just shoot the f- because there was this choreographed battle. It had been choreographed about this huge fight, and so I guess it was Ford's idea. He was feeling like hell. We're not even the three biggest worshippers, really, of Raiders of the Lost Ark. There were three kids. Now, Steve Persall knows the whole story. Right. Three kids who actually reshot the entire movie scene they for scene? They reshot it scene for, almost scene for scene. They couldn't quite get the, uh, the uh, uh, airplane runway fight going there but they they would like did to. they try it uh no no i don't think they even tried it Who? but uh but it showed over at the sunscreen film festival a few months ago what's it called uh, it's called raiders of the lost ark the adaptation these kids were about 10 11 years old uh in 1982 when they started doing this they'd spent the, the entire previous summer summer going to the theater every day and watching raiders uh they got a vhs copy of it they recorded it he recorded the movie uh just the audio stuff from the from the theater and um Decided that we're going to start making, uh, remaking the movie shot for shot, or practically shot for shot, and uh, it actually was a, an interesting thing to see. You know, twenty years, twenty five years later, as as we did. What happened with it though is it took them seven summers to do that. Uh, for Christmas presents and stuff and birthday presents, they wouldn't ask for anything except things that would help them make this movie props. Or, or you know, something that, that you could tell that they're setting their parents' homes on fire, you know, for some of these scenes in the basement or the kitchen or something like that. You can see, you know, the flames are lapping at the walls and stuff. Uh, so they, they, there was a lot of kids don't try this at home stuff to it, but uh, it really was uh, an interesting. It's you know, fuzzy and garbled. It's you know, cheaply produced. Of course, five thousand dollars over seven years. But um, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. What did they know? do for snakes? Uh, they had, they borrowed some from a local pet store. Oh, they have uh, real snakes. Yep, yep. They had they had real snakes. Not and did they do scene for scene like when Indy falls down the well of souls and the cobra? They and everything? did everything. They did, they did everything. Ex- uh, the, the only major thing that was missing was the was the uh, the airplane. And they, 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 got, they got a truck. So they got yep. a truck and they, they do. the kid the kid went underneath the truck. Um, you know, from the from the hood, snapped off the thing underneath the truck, dragged ah, out the back. That's great. I mean, these, these kids literally risked their lives doing this thing. But what happened was they finished up in 1989. They showed it one time at the local Coca-Cola bottling plant in, there in town. All their friends came, and then they just forgot about it. They just stashed it away uh, in, in their closet. And about, uh, let's see, 19, what would it be, about 90. Five, no, it have to be a little bit later. There. Around 2000, Eli Roth, the director of Hostel and uh, uh, Cabin Fever, some, you know, some horror type, type stuff, was going to uh, Harry Knowles' um, uh, Austin Film Festival. And he, Harry Knowles, the Ain't It Cool. For Ain't It Cool, com, ain't cool right? dot com. And he had uh, he'd somehow gotten a hold of a copy of this. It became a little bit of an underground type of thing. He brought it to the festival and asked them if they would, um, you know, if you, if you have any space to play it, stick it in there. Something happened with the um, 
projector. They had a, they had a premiere of something going on that night. I want to say it may have been like the, the, the last Star Wars movie or something, something huge. And uh, the projector broke down, so to kill the time till they, you know, for the hour or so, uh, they they plugged this you know VHS tape in there. <laughs> it is awesome. The crowd went crazy for it, and when they when the projector got fixed, the crowd booed. It was it was right <laughs> it was right before the truck chase, and the crowd booed. Did not want them to start the new Star Wars movie because they, they wanted to finish. <laughs> they wanted to finish seeing what these kids had done and stuff. But uh, now they're now they're in their uh, mid to late thirties. Uh, they're One's a producer out in Hollywood. The other two live in uh, in um, um, Louisiana still, and they're trying to develop a production company there so they can make movies um, in that area. Will they release that on DVD, you think? I don't think so because uh, Spielberg loved it. It got back to Spielberg just a few years later, and or actually just a few years ago, and uh, he invited them out to, to uh, Amblin Entertainment, the, the Amblin oh, offices. Wow. Can you and, imagine? And he actually he took them back to the warehouse, and, and uh, he had Spielberg still has the original Ark of the Covenant back there and they were just like posing for pictures like they were trying to steal it <laughs> yeah. and um but uh the, the, so spielberg said you go ahead and show it and there's just an agreement with them no money's made off of it unless it goes to charity oh, I mean, one 100 percent of the of the proceeds from that uh from any any screens like at sunscreen uh they just had one out in los angeles um it's, they've gone around the country with it but it's always for a good cause that's good. It's so That's ironic and, and so familiar because when Sean and I were 15, we actually did recreated scene by scene uh, Miami Spice. <laughs> I knew something like that was coming. The only uh, thing we asked our parents for all those years of Christmas was Kitty Viagra. <laughs> What they do for Marion? I'm I'm fascinated by now, this see, that's, story. That's a, that was that was another cute part too because as this thing is being developed over seven years, Marion is is the one who grows up and matures the most out of any of them. <laughs> so when she first shows up, uh, she's probably you know 13 something like that. She was older than them to start with by a year or two, and that was his that was the kid's first kiss was uh, was recreating the kiss. For really, her. God, and, and, that's and, great. And, and he said she didn't want to stop. It was like it was like. Just latched on, and I guess all the you know saliva was getting swapped and everything else, Ugh. and she just loved it. But wow. um, but yeah, but you can see her in every scene that she shows up. As they, I guess they pretty much filmed it chronologically. Um, you can see she's developing more and more and more <laughs> and more, exactly and more sure along the way. <laughs> That's cute. Oh man! But I guess nobody's going to be remaking or a- adapting uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I don't think so. Can we all agree that was the worst of the three movies? Oh, absolutely. 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 Yeah. However, you think, Steve uh, Steve Spears, that it's one of the worst movies of the 80s. Yeah, easily. And I, I say I put it right up there with heartbeeps. I w- no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I wouldn't go that far because Spielberg put together some great action set pieces in that, and he, and he slapped them you know, back-to-back with the, with the situation, too. Uh, the first 20 minutes of, the, of that movie is some of the most just relentlessly, you know, kinetic filmmaking that, that he did in the series but uh whenever he started getting into the i, I don't know spielberg's always had this kind of thing where he likes to put kids in peril of course the, the that's, cutes, that's a standard yeah. short round well not just not just short round but all the kids that were being oh, the used slaves, oh, the right. empire of the sun thing. empire of the sun yeah, with christian yeah. a young very young christian bale and um, there was there was something and i actually i think that's one reason why uh, um spielberg became such a popular you know, filmmaker at that time is because just just the fact that you guys remember that point in your youth is which is why you have this radio show or this podcast and this this website. Um, he always appealed to that kind of childish type of thing. This is what 
you wish you could be doing and and you know maybe you wish you could get away with doing too. Uh-huh. You know, I love the whole Busby uh, Busby Berkeley opening, right? Yeah. Wouldn't that be a Busby Berkeley? However, the thing that drives me crazy about that movie is not just short round and uh, actually the special effects in Raiders are much better, I think, than the ones in Temple of Doom. The whole mind chase, you can really tell it's miniatures. The, the, the walls are made of aluminum foil. You know, but um, Kate Capshaw mm-hmm. drives me absolutely Batty in this, she's like the Yoko Ono in the uh, in the Spielberg over. But uh, uh, she, Steve, she Persaud marries. Made, she marries. Well, Persaud well, he, made he a great marry, point. He ended up marrying her. Now, I don't know if you remember this or not, but in the beginning, I've never seen this happen before or since. Um, I've never seen a director place an actor, superimpose an actor over completely over and obscuring the title of the movie. If you if you look at that scene again. Uh, she comes out on the stage there, and it's Steven Spielberg presents and so forth. She walks, you know, you know, toward the camera, so she's she's taking up a lot of the screen. And Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom comes up, and her body is in the middle of the of about you know ten of those letters. I don't know uh, the timeline. Were they they were dating then? Was he still with Amy Irving? And uh, then that he was apparently. I, I think that happened, of course, in the in the editing room, superimposing <laughs> like that. So it was pretty much locked up. But um, he was with Irving when production started. They broke up oh, apparently geez, during the production. Oh, there he goes. And then there uh, go. Yoko. And of course that, that's that's also another thing that's talked about too, because Lucas had just gone through a divorce. Right. And and there's a lot some folks who sort of say that the darker tone of the movie. Um, and, and, and maybe some of the little things, the, the way that the, the female character was portrayed in there as being so weak. I mean, after having, uh, Marion in the first movie, be so strong, uh, be yeah. so strong. It was, it was them just sort of working out their, uh, post nuptial frustrations oh, or something. Lord. Yeah. I, oh, that whole courtship scene makes me sick to my stomach actually. Yeah. But as bad as the second movie was, I maintain that the third movie, the last crusade was the best of the bunch. <laughs> what? What? Better than Raiders? Oh my God! Yes, Last Crusade is a fantastic movie. It's and I know the the, the father son dynamic really appeals to you, but I don't know if you can say it's better than Raiders, dude. Uh, I I think when you have you have River Phoenix showing up as a very young Indiana Jones, kind of kind of uh, completing the whole story of him. You've got Sean Connery, who at the time was only twelve years older than Harrison Ford, playing his father. You've got a great villain who I believe was um, wasn't she a Bond girl at one point? You've got uh, you got Nazis everywhere. Gotta love any movie that has lots of Nazis. You know, it's good in my book. Yeah, because Raiders doesn't have any Nazis. I hate these guys. You Raiders bastard. doesn't have enough. <laughs> in 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 Last Crusade, they go into Berlin, my friend, and there and, and Hitler signs, uh, you know, Connery's uh, book. Uh, Isn't that, that that is my favorite? Left handed with pencil. Good yeah, detail, as my right? my entire, as my favorite team of Crusade. Um, Come on, personal. I'm, I'm, I'm I was a latecomer uh, to the to the other two movies. I spent most of my time in the '80s outside of movie theaters. I was I was doing what Daly's doing now. At that time, I was you know covering concerts and music and that sort of oh, thing. I thought you meant something else. Oh right. no, no no, not what he's doing right now. <laughs> oh my God, Sean, put that away. Um, Is this my bullwhip. <laughs> but uh, so I, I did not see the second and third movies until just recently. But I would almost agree with you. I wouldn't. Oh, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put Temple of Doom above Raiders. But those are two. I mean, neck crusade. and neck. Yeah, Crusade. Yeah, Crusade rather uh, above yeah. Raiders. But um, uh, they're two neck and neck though in terms of that uh, situation. And I loved. I absolutely loved the first twenty minutes with River Phoenix in that thing, giving you the details of how he got the hat, how he got the scar. You know why he doesn't like snakes. All those kinds yeah. of things. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. It's it's. I, no, I'm fit. saying it's guys. I'm saying it's a great movie, yeah. but I, I just don't. I think that. I think it has better quotes than, than Raiders. 
I think the acting is better. I think the story is better. I think the special effects are better. I think everything is better in uh, in The Last Crusade than Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, well, you're talking about... Sean's heart's about to explode. You're talking about 10 years later, That's just though, from too, lunch. so the special effects will be better. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying. You lost today, kid. But it doesn't mean you have to like it. But anyway, it's time to, uh, to put that debate aside. It's time to have what I like to call the ultimate quiz. Kind of a lame name, actually, when I think about it. Ultimate quiz? That's the best you came up with? Man, that makes mystery movie moment look like... <laughs> it's quiz time, okay? Yeah. It's time to find out who knows more about these three movies. Here's how mm. it's going to work. I have four questions for each Do of I get a handicap? No, you don't. I did I t- give... I told you. I did I give... see these things... Uh, yeah, Sa- no, no, no. Come on. You Rope guys are equal dope. here. I have four questions for each of you. By the way, Steve Purcell does have a genuine Indiana Jones bullwhip in Indiana the studio Jones with me. Whip, some swag that came uh, for the uh, for nice. the first for the latest movie. Nice, looks good. But uh, yeah. every question later. I get wrong is going to crack me in there the we ass. Go. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be great. Okay, wow. oh, I, can't do, I can't get it to do that. I can't get it to do that thing. <laughs> I don't know. I bet. I bet it doesn't do it at all. Anyway, here we go. Ready, Sean Daly. Question number one. Yes. What Mr. is Spears. Indiana Jones's real name? Henry Jones Jr. You have chosen wisely. Oh man, now I feel bad. That almost—I just got half a point for that. Some people out there probably. I'm going, telling you what, you're going to. We named the dog Indiana, Steve. And whose dog is really named Indiana? Oh, I do believe that was. I want to say George Lucas. Yeah, George Lucas. And Short no. Round was uh, uh, Lucas's Spielberg's dog. Stuff. Lucas's dog was was uh, Short Round. No, I thought it was Spielberg's was Short Round. Lucas's dog was Short Round. I just went read it on Wikipedia. Spe- Spears says no. I think so we'll see. All right, give give Persall a question. Persall, question number one: In what year did Raiders of the Lost Ark take place? Oh, that's good. Nineteen thirty-seven. He chose poorly. Thirty-six. Oh, I knew it was like a thirty-six. 36 yeah. Sean Daly. Yes. Here we go. Question number two. True or false, Temple of Doom was the first movie given a PG-13 rating. False. The answer is the Flamingo Kid. You have chosen wisely. Correct. You are correct. Though, uh, though uh, Temple of Doom was generally credited with creating the PG-13 rating, Flamingo Kid in 1984 was the first film to be given the PG-13 rating. Although, my favorite movie, Red Dawn... Is the first movie released with the oh, PG-13. So I'm, I'm still right, You're though. correct. Oh, you're, yep, the way he worded it, you're correct. We yep. should do a Flamingo Kid uh, show. That's a great movie. I love, yeah, I love that movie. movie. That really is a good one. Gin, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Steve. Red Time Dawn sucks, by the way. I just wanted to add that. Are you kidding? Don't even start with me. No, I really... That blows. No, seriously. Get the hell out of here. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Persall, question number two. Name another actress who screen-tested for the role of Marion Ravenwood. Ooh. That's Tony Fields. He chose poorly. <laughs> I don't know. My mom loved Tony Fields. <laughs> Sean Young. Really? 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 Yeah. God, she had to be young back nah, then. Yeah, she wasn't. She, and, and they actually really liked her a lot. I don't know what happened, why it didn't work out. I know. I know part of it was um, she screen tested across from uh, Selleck, so it was kind of interesting. Yeah, that would drag anybody down. Yeah. Okay, Sean Daly, question number three. You have a chance to clinch it right here. Tony Fields. I guess I use on like my Marty Allen and George Goble jokes with you, I think. Yeah, I know. 
Question number three. Name the order in which these three films take place. Uh, that would be um, Temple of Doom, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Last Crusade. You have chosen wisely. Temple of Doom takes place in 1935. Raiders in uh, 36. I do believe and, and that. Last Crusade is uh, 38. Uh, I do believe that uh, Crystal Skull is 50s, right? It's not yep. the whole thing. Yep. It's, it's a sci-fi. It's, it's, it's exactly it the same number of years since the last 19 years. 19 years? Oh, is it? That's, yep. that's smart. Since Very the last smart. One. Okay, Steve. Why no. bother? No, come on. It's educational for the fellows at home. Question number three. River Phoenix plays a young Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade. What other movie does he appear in with Harrison Ford in the 80s? Oh, I know that. Hmm. River Phoenix, 80s, with Harrison Ford. Can I steal that if you can't get it? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. The Mosquito Coast. Oh, yep. yeah. yeah. Another movie I made a very diligent effort to avoid. <laughs> no, no, that I, one, I, I haven't seen it all the way through either. It's, it's not that great. But uh, he does play uh, the role of uh, Harrison Ford's son. And in fact, it was because of that movie in, uh, I think it was 86, that uh, Harrison recommended Phoenix to play him. And when uh, Phoenix was playing the role, he was basically aping uh, Harrison Ford, oh, how yeah. he acted. And, Did uh, a great job of, it's, it's uh, of the mannerisms. I have a question, have a question the, uh, for you, Steve. Do you think Harrison Ford's a good actor? I, I would never, I wouldn't say I've ever seen a performance out of him that I would classify as being award worthy, but he's one of those commanding screen movie star types witness was pretty close yeah but, witness but he, is awesome but he, he doesn't he doesn't really take on or allow himself to have those kinds of roles that are going to have the kind of you know high dramatic moments or the you know the really you know, sad emotional times and that's, he, he doesn't do those showy kinds of roles you know witness blade runner um the indie movies and the star wars movies you know I love him in all of those, but I mean, he's been in a lot of crap, and he's oh, yeah. really bad in a lot of movies. Yeah, I, uh, really I, talked to, I talked to him a few years ago when he put out that really bad remake of Sabrina with, oh. uh, with Greg Kinnear and uh, who was it, Julio Ormond or somebody? Yeah, and he knew it was crap too. And during the conversation, and you know, I was I was trying to be polite and not bring up the fact that it was a bad movie. But I think the question was generally basically saying, you know, "What got you involved with this thing?" And he says, "Well, you know, it's like." walk into a room and there's a bunch of horse shit in there and you can wait around a lot and you know little boy says there's got to be a pony in here somewhere <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> oh my god my, my other favorite uh, harrison ford story first time i go out and cover the oscars uh, in california dorothy chandler pavilion we're, we're upstairs uh spielberg has just picked up the oscar for a best director for schindler's list and is presented to him by clint eastwood who won the year before and um, Ford had delivered the uh, the uh, Best Picture Oscar that year. So after the show's over with, uh, I've got stuff on deadline, get everything done, I have to go to the bathroom badly. So I go into the little bathroom there. They have this you know cruddy, cruddy theater. We're on the, like the third, fourth floor. And who's I'm, I'm standing at the urinal. Who's walking back from the urinals but Harrison Ford oh, and, no. and Clint Eastwood. Oh, jeez. Together? Yeah, yeah. And I hear, I hear Harrison Ford say, can you believe four hours without a drink? <laughs> And Eastwood just goes, yeah. <laughs> I swear. I just got a true story. True Great. story. Can you believe four hours without a drink? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Oh, shit. I don't even know where I'm at. I think I'm on uh, question number four for Sean Daly. True or false? Sean Connery was always Steven Spielberg's first choice to play Indiana Jones's dad. True. You have chosen wisely. 
My God. <laughs> Spielberg always wanted to direct a James Bond movie. Hey, are, are, does so he, casting Connery was. The are you going to have thing. like huggers waiting for him across the <laughs> yeah. finish line here? That's right. what he's trying to. Yeah, he's trying to get <laughs> sorry, a piece. Sorry, I'm sorry. These movies are so well known. It's hard to come up with ridiculous trivia. Uh, final one. So Although I hate to do this to you, to Prasal, but I got to. Your final question. And, and Sean will hug you if you get this right. What classic 80s duet borrowed Indiana Jones's whip for a sound effect during their collaborating song? <laughs> I got to say, I got to explain that you, you and, totally got sandbagged on this one because we interviewed, we interviewed the gentleman who told us this bit of trivia. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I don't listen to your show, so... <laughs> How would I ever know that? Go ahead, Sean. (laughs) Kenny Loggins and Steve Perry's Don't Fight It. Yeah, the champion. But I actually got really, I did get the, um, look at that look on his face. I did get the easy questions. No kidding. (laughs) You can say shit on the show. Can I? Okay. Yeah, many times. Aha, by the sound of the tune, it must be time for Reader Mailbag. Hey, it's the segment where Sean Daly, the man in motion, picks out his two favorite uh, emails of the week and reads them for us for our uh, auditory delight. Wait, wait, Sean can read? (laughs) He can only read. He can also mispronounce. It's spelled out phonetically. Yes, I have two very good letters today, uh, Spearsy. And the first one (laughs) has obviously been chosen because of the last line, which strokes your ego. So here we go. This is from Rosa Hoffman. And Rosa says, Steve, doesn't even say me, which is crap. But anyway, I'll continue. Steve, just wanted to tell you that listening to the podcast for hours every day inspired my movie watching this weekend. I watched Pretty in Pink and Say Anything for the millionth time. Classics. I watched The Last Starfighter, which I hadn't seen in at least 15 years. Wow, 80s special effects. And I watched The Last American Virgin for the first time ever. I really have no idea how I missed that, except that I was born in 83 and my parents probably tried to shield me from it. I loved it. Even though I knew how it would end, I still bawled when Gary drove away. Awesome, awesome movie. Thanks for that, Steve. Also, you're my new podcast voice crush. Thanks, Rosa Hoffman. Look at that shit-eating grin in there. Excellent letter, excellent letter. And uh, Steve Persall has actually volunteered to read the second letter today. Go for it, Steve. Well, actually, there's a lot of words in here that are multi-syllabic, <laughs> and uh, Sean just can't handle it. Let's go with the radio voice. Dear Stuck in the 80s crew, when I heard that you'd be doing a show on great TV themes of the 80s, I was reminded of a funny story that happened to me when I was a student at Syracuse University. Yeah! We are SU. I'm done. For reasons that escape me now, I had made a tape of a very mellow album of instrumentals by guitarist Andy Summers of The Police. One night before turning in, my roommate and I decided to play the summer's tape to drown out some annoying ambient noise coming from the hallway of our dorm. Needless to say, the soporific, is that, am I saying that right? Soporific music on that album put both of us to sleep in a matter of minutes. But sadly, I had forgotten that I'd used the blank space at the end of the 45-minute cassette to record the theme song from the TV show Benson, <laughs> which we'd recently used as background music on our answering machine's outgoing message. Yes, we were the hippest guys on campus. No kidding. As you can imagine, the bouncy, cheesy... <laughs> I can't say... Hold back. 
As you can imagine, the bouncy, cheesy little ditty woke both of us up immediately, and I vaguely recall stumbling across the room and bashing at the boombox's buttons in the dark to turn off the offending TV theme as quickly as possible. To this day, I don't know which is more ridiculous, two college dudes falling asleep in a dorm to crappy New Age music, or two college dudes being woken by the booming theme from Benson. Anyway, I wanted to share my tale of TV theme woe with you. Keep up the great work. David Pietrkowski, Oakland, California. Nice. Let's hit him with a little Benson now. That is pretty cheesy. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, he's, Good job. You should read all our letters. Peter Kofsky's reacting because you know, we did that show last week about best TV theme songs. And the hate mail that poured in from that one is ridiculous. Well, I'd like to read some of that. It would make me feel better. Yeah, but it would. But I mean, people were saying we should have had Magnum higher. We left Airwolf off. Where was Hardcastle and McCormick? Oh, I love the theme song from uh, Lay Down the Line. Stop it. No, that's how but, it went. Uh, literally, we Anything by Mike Post. Would you have one thing from Mike Post? Three. Three. Oh, really? Okay. So don't even start with Magnum me. should have been higher. Ugh. What year was the Rockford Files? Like 75 or 70s. something? Didn't qualify. 70s. Anyway, if you want to send us an email, you can always do so. Just send it to stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. My favorite segment, Sean's Least. I like the title now next to Ultimate Quiz. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway, hey, it's a segment where I play a snippet of a movie from the 80s, and if you can name it, we actually do have autographed bags of Funyuns. We do! Finally, we I autographed did, them. Dag Shield, yours is on its way. I, I emailed it yesterday. Did you really? Brad what about Shields, Brad's? His is on its way. Those are the first two out, the two uh, first symbolic uh, winners. So uh, if you win, that's what you get, like it or not, because we've got nothing else. And we actually had uh, a, a, a photo crew come in and, and take pictures of us signing the Funyuns. Yes. Are you going to put those up on the blog? Not a chance. <laughs> the photo of me looks ridiculous. Yeah, you look fine. I look like Jabba the freaking hut. Yeah, if he, if he puts like, his phone up there, he won't get any more uh, hot letters from people uh, like uh, Rosa Hoffman. I'm, I'm, I'm bound to, uh, he won't be a voice crush anymore. Yeah, no, I'll be, I don't, that's all I'll ever be is a voice crush. <laughs> Trust me. Spears is... Crazy. Anyway, here we go. Here was last week's mystery movie moment. Tommy, no! No! Sean Daly, any guesses? None. Persaw. I don't know anything about 80s movies. <sighs> best of the best. Oh, no. Eric Roberts? I remember. James that. Earl Jones? Yeah. Come on. Like street fighting. No, uh, no. Of, they go to martial arts. Taekwondo Octagon. match against Seoul. Yeah. Against the Koreans, man. It's so stupid. I love that movie. Anyway, uh, we do have two winners, David Diao and Marshall Azar. They will be getting uh, the Funyuns. They're the only two who had the guts to admit that they like that movie as well as I do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, pay attention. Mm-hmm. Here is this week's clip. I'm Dr. Freud. What you may call me, Siki. Steve Persall, any guesses? Um, here's lead in your pencil. <laughs> uh, I, I remember I saw that in the 80s. I bet you did. Probably in a theater on K Street. Anyway, uh, that is not the answer, obviously. But if you know the answer, email us at stuckinese at tempe.com. Because only Sean Daly knows when it's right to call you a wiener. Thanks.
Ah, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. Hey, it's the weekly segment where we play a song from the 80s. And if you can name the song and if you can name the band, again, those Funyuns are yours. Assuming Sean doesn't get his uh, greedy little paws into him. I've hidden them. He'll never find him. He's already claimed one bag. I did. I yeah. was thinking of bag number two, but I decided I want That's to reward wrong. the listeners. I know. I'm sorry. Anyway, pay attention. This was last week's clip. Sean Daly knows the answer. It's all I can do by the cars. It's all I can do to keep waiting for you. It's all I can do. Woohoo, he's right. Hey, you know what's really sad? It's not even an 80s song. It's a, it's, <laughs> it's a song from 1979 from uh, Candio, and I, I screwed up. I, I think it was an 80s song because it appears in the movie um, uh, The Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler. And uh, so I always think of it as an 80s song. I think of all Cars songs as being 80s songs, but it's not. So anyone who wants to uh, claim Val can do so. Who are our winners? We had, t- we had uh, several. Craig Contardi. Contardi's back. Yeah. Marty Yu. Uh, Mike Walters and Lou Greeley. Sweet Lou. Yeah, he's always around. Anyway, pay attention. Here is this week's mystery 80s tune. Coffee for three. Steve Persall, you are a closet 80s freak. I know it. What was that song? I think that was the love theme from Shaving Ryan's Privates. No. <laughs> Montavani. Monta- <laughs> I heard Montavani do that one time. Uh, God. I don't know why I even bother. Hey, if you know the name of the song, email us at stuckinies at tempe.com because only I am qualified to call you. Oh, ask him, are you Parade is so inspiring. If you're not ready to give up on mullets in Madonna, log on to Stuck in the 80s. Just one of the many blogs you'll find at TampaBay.com, the website of the St. Petersburg Times. Relive the music, movies, and culture of the greatest decade ever. Only at TampaBay.com. And we are back. And uh, without further ado, we promised uh, people on the blog that we'd be doing this. Sean Daly is about to perform his top 10 quotes. From Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number 10. You want to talk to God? Let's go see him together. I've got nothing better to do. How was that? That was pretty good. All right, thanks. I like that. What do you think, Steve? Do you want to do a couple? Yeah, sure. Right, you, can do, you can do number nine. Bad dates. <laughs> yes. <laughs> number eight. Indiana Jones. I learned to hate you in the last 10 years. Can you do a French accent, Steve, for some? Uh, no. <laughs> All right, then do, then do Belloc anyway. Your persistence surprises even me. You're going to give mercenaries a bad name. Very awesome. Thank Not you. Bad. Number six, I am the monarch of the sea. <laughs> Number five. St- oh. Asps. Very dangerous. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> Number four. Here's my favorite. I say it every day to Steve. Ready? Belloc. Belloc. Okay, number three, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Number two, it's not the ears, honey. It's the mileage. And number one, starring Sean Daly and Steve Persall, doing the great give and take between Indy and Sala. Bellock's medallion. Oh, shit. This is a nightmare. Are you ready? See, it's harder than the last. It is. 
Belloc's medallion only has... I can't. <laughs> He's going to get so pissed off. Belloc's medallion only had writing on one side. You sure about that? Positive. Belloc's staff is too long. They're, They're taking it in, in the, the wrong, wrong place. place. <laughs> they say it couldn't be done. <laughs> that no, wait a minute. Did. I take that back. They say it shouldn't be done. <laughs> and it wasn't anyway. Hey, we only got a couple seconds left. Let's talk real quick about the sequel. Steve, high hopes. I have I have a lot of high hopes for it. I think the the preview, the trailer for it, is just one of the you know best little goosebump raising things that I've seen uh, in, in that realm of, you know, all year long. Sourpuss in there was kind of down on it, but I was with you. I, I watched it over and I over thought, again. I thought it was a perfect reintroduction, you know, with the just that iconic shadow, the picking up the hat off the ground. I mean, you get goosebumps just with that kind of thing. And I like the fact they're going to play him as his age. You know, he's he's he he is getting old. The mileage is you know caught up to him a little bit. And I think uh, Shia LaBeouf is is one of my favorite little uh, young actors that, that's uh, that's going around these days too. So I think you know he might have that kind of. River Phoenix type of vibe to him also that uh, that might make this and and seeing Marion Ravenwood coming back too Karen Allen yeah, yeah the, I'm really looking forward to it the really? pre-buzz on there I read all those nerd sites you were talking about Harry Knowles earlier with mm-hmm. com, and they were kind of tough on it some early screens but they do say and who knows what those guys if they actually saw it or what 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 kind of print they saw if it was finished but they did say everybody agreed that Marion Karen Allen as Marion Ravenwood is great is great that the give and take between those two is just like it was back in Raiders. So at least that'll be something. I can't. May twenty second, I'll be there. In fact, I might play hooky just so I can go see it That's by myself. Nice. I don't want anyone around me. I just want to watch it. Well, Spears isn't going because there's no Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They're Russians this time. No they're, they're, ticket. It's a, it's a cold, cold war communist or something. Yeah. Well, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm excited. I, I'm gonna say right now, biggest disappointment of the summer it'll be. I think you're the biggest disappointment of the summer. <laughs> I think that's all too the true. Fall. Hey, until the fall comes around, until this movie's over with, until Sean's uh, libido finally fails, we remain here with Steve Persall, Sean Daly, and myself, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for providing music for the credits. Read the blog at blogs.tampabay.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. Belloc. Belloc.